This is a WTOP original podcast. From Podcast One. Previously on Colors. If we think race is complicated here, it's even more complicated in Latin America. In, the, in Latin America, not only in Mexico, but most of Latin America, we, have a, we see a connection between the color of your skin, between your social class, and also your ethnicity. Coming up in this episode of Colors... NFL Hall of Famer Daryl Green. For 20 years, he was the fastest man in the NFL. But he joins us on Colors to tell us there's no quick fix to our racial problems. We're in a greater place of consciousness. We're in a greater opportunity to win. Maybe not in you in my lifetime, but we're in, a, we're in one of the best places we've ever been in. He says the young people hold the key to the entire country getting it right. The generations uh, are, are connected. These kids are interacting uh, with one another and they don't have all this crap that some of the grandmothers and grandfathers put on them and great grandfathers put on them. And they're making good sound decisions. They're making and they're interacting with one another on a, on a, on a one-on-one basis. He talks about everything from growing up poor in Texas, making it in the NFL, staying grounded and racial healing. That's coming up in this episode of Colors. Simmering racial tensions. Segregation now and tomorrow and forever. Fighting injustice. I have a dream. Conflict looming. Brutality exposed. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. The search for solutions starts here. From WTOP in Washington, D.C. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. Check the mic and make sure it sounds right, boys. and I live in Connecticut. I am a first-generation American Greek. My name is Lars Sindis. I'm an Indian Jamaican living in the United States for the last 25 years. My name is Adam Carter. I am white, and I am from uh, South St. Paul, Minnesota. It is a suburb of St. Paul. I'm Kimmy Yong. Um, I'm a Chinese-American. I'm uh, from upstate New York and based in New York City. And I'm J.J. Green, and I'm black. Today I have the opportunity and the privilege, I would say, to interview somebody that I have always wanted to talk to because he's just one of the greatest athletes there's ever been in my book. We're talking to Daryl Green today, who, as I mentioned, is a Hall of Fame athlete, but he's so much more than that, so much more than that. He's been out there on the front lines of social, cultural, and so many uh, other elements of our society, doing the right thing, showing the way. Today, we want to talk with him about race. I'm not intending to make a pun here, but I am intending to use this language as a connective transition. To him being the fastest man in the NFL for a long time, many of us have found life to be a difficult run. But I suppose... How it turns out depends on the choices that you make, and he's here to talk about some of those choices that he's made 
throughout his life. Daryl Green, thank you for taking time. Yes, sir, Mr. Green. All right. You know what happened in the last year? George Floyd and all of the protests that have taken place since then and all of the other things that have resulted from, you know, people being upset, people being angry, politicians trying to make moves, uh, political organizations trying to make moves. I'd like to first get your view on where you think we are in this country right now on race when it comes to race. I think where we are on race is we are at a greater consciousness probably than I've ever known in my 61 years. I didn't say that we're at a, a, a blessed place that, we, you know, we're like winning or whatever. But I'm saying we had a greater consciousness uh, within our society. The generation, the young generation did not experience what a lot of us experienced. So that eliminates that. Mm-hmm. You saw that by the marches. The yeah. marches with not black people marching. Matter of fact, the 1960s marches with Dr. King, that were white people leading that march, buddy. Yeah. They were in that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but more so, we're in a, one of the best places we've ever been in, I think, in American history, <clears throat> because of the fact that uh, the generations uh, are, are connected. These kids are interacting uh, with one another, and they don't have all this crap that some of the grandmothers and grandfathers put on them and great-grandfathers put on them. And they're making good, sound decisions they're making, and they're interacting with one another on a on a on a one-on-one basis mm-hmm. i think that's good george floyd's tragedy uh did was a big part of opening that up but it wasn't the only part it was just a continuation there was another chapter another step while i'm excited and, and appreciative of that i'm still painting about the fact that it is yeah <laughs> that human beings <laughs> that a red apple yes is, a green apple. Yes, it is. Uh, and that's that's that to me for, forget all colors. All human beings all need to be slapped. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you, you you're looking in my backyard here, you you don't see this but uh there's a lot of trees out here. Mm-hmm. Oak trees, all kinds of different trees and I can say that I've never seen a bunch of trees fighting. Never seen them like just screaming and fighting out here. Like, hey, those trees are fighting. And even if we saw them trees fighting and we didn't like it as human beings, you know who would stop them? Us. Yes. You know who would stop the whales that we didn't like the whales? Us. You know who would stop the lion if we don't like the lion? Us. As human beings, not white, black, or yellow, brown. But God put a very extraordinary investment in us above all of creation in all of existence i think the most intelligent and the most the one he put his heart in and he and he he put himself in Mm -hmm. is human beings Mm -hmm. you know everybody got a red blood everybody have a heart a brain you know all the different things that's inside of the body and so it really pains me just that we got here now uh, we were the we were the slaves. It pains me for us, but it pains me for everybody. Mm-hmm. The Native Americans, the white uh, Caucasians, the Europeans, the blacks. Because at the end of the day, anything that's losing, it's all of us losing. Yeah, it's not just us losing. Yeah, it's <laughs> the best of all of us 
we could be awesome. Yeah. We could be, when you really are ex- executing, you know, in, in football, we, you know, it's, it's all these players. It's the, it's the guy that you don't even notice. His name is offensive center. Mm-hmm. He snaps the ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guard that's next to him. The guy that snaps the long snap for the field goal, you don't even know him. Mm-hmm. The wide receiver, the tight end, the coach, the, the guy that coached the tight ends, what's his name? Yes. The guy that's the strength coach, the trainer, the guy who's the water boy, the guy who's cleaning up the locker room, picking up all the socks and the jocks and the T-shirts and washing those. The girl at the front desk, it's everybody. And that's when you see that team win. It's not just the guy that got the touchdown and they put him on the shoulder. And it's the same way in life. Yeah. It's all of the people. Yeah. And so, yes, we are a great place, I think, in human history, if we can respond well. Mm-hmm. I think also, and that goes for all human beings, everybody have their portion to play. But, mm-hmm. but I just feel like the bigger pain to me is that we actually are here. Here, yes. That but, this exists. Yeah. You know, I'm a man of faith. I have been. I was raised that way. I stick to it, and I will always stick to it. And there were a lot of things that took place last year on that day, Memorial Day, uh, when I finally saw that video of George Floyd dying on that street in Minneapolis. And I had to go back to all of that grounding and faith and everything to get through that because what you just said about us being here after everything we've been through as a planet, after everything we've been to, through as a species, we're still doing this and not getting or understanding the importance of stopping it, cutting it out and doing what's best. But I want to ask you this question. In those moments, I'm talking racially speaking, uh, in those moments during your career and your life, were there moments when people said things, did things, approached you the wrong way? How did you how did you manage to make it through that? Well, I became a Christian in college. Changed all of my opinion about a lot of things. Scripture says that the battle, number one, is the Lord's. And number two, it says that we battle not against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but as the principalities and the powers and spiritual forces of wickedness in dark places. So when you talk about wanting to be tricked and duped and be, feel stupid, when you look at hundreds and hundreds of years of human beings looking at one another and making their judgment on basis of a, a color or whatever, you know, some trivial thing that they're doing. And at the end of the day, we're just all human beings. And so we're ignorant. We're ignorant society. If you want to talk about as our great we are society, we're ignorant society when we can treat one another the way we treat each other on some idiotic basis. Cause there's nothing that gives you a leg up, whether you black, white, yellow, or Brown or whatever the case may be. <clears throat> so when you really want to dig it out for real, our real offense is against a Holy God who created us. Nobody created yourself. Uh, did you create yourself? Did you put yourself in your mama? Did you pick your parents? Did you pick your nation? Did you pick your color? Did you pick your time? Did you pick your dates? Did you pick anything? Nope. Mm-hmm. Will you pick your way out? Nope. And so we really, if you really want to just scrape it all aside, you're talking about a real ignorant society 
when we can sit there and say on the basis of, you know, let's put this water hose on these people and let's hate them and let's mistreat them or something that, you know, another group does to themselves or a group does to another group. I don't care how you twist it. It's straight ignorance. Yeah. It's straight ignorance. Let's talk about your career a little bit. Um, and it's important to note that um, we believe that on this program that people who achieve things should be recognized. And I understand where you got your skills. I know that you're, you're going to give credit where credit is due. But I want to talk to you for a moment about something that I thought was very interesting about your entire career. For your almost your entire NFL career, you were viewed or at least pronounced to be the fastest man in the NFL. And you were, without doubt, very clear. And one could see that on a regular basis whenever they watch the Washington football team play another team. And, you know, whether you're playing a defensive back or running kicks back, it was clear that you had that kind of um, talent. What do you think was the most important talent, physical talent that you had during the course of your career? And how had, did that help you show others the way, other people who were coming along the way? So I don't like to, I don't like to separate the fact that I'm five, eight and three quarters, the fact that I'm the fastest man, I think in the NFL history, fastest man on the field every game. I don't like to separate the fact that I understood what I needed to do, understood what I was up against, whether it's Michael Irvin trying to push me down or Jerry Rice with two Hall of Fame quarterbacks and an extraordinary system, whether it's Roy Green or Mike Quick, or you know, big or little or the running back. You can't separate my intellect to try to understand what they were trying to do and what we were trying to do and what my capabilities were and what my uh, what my deficiencies were, uh, com- you know, and, and how to each week train and prepare for it to walk in two gum at the same time because people are screaming my name saying that I'm something that I'm not because I play football and I come home to my wife and uh, and the kids and she says, hey, you got to go and get the chain and fix that toilet and go to the Home Depot. <laughs> or pipe is busted under the thing. I got to cut the yard. Uh, so, you know, I am the entirety of myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not Daryl Green, the fastest player in the NFL. I'm Daryl Green. That includes a daddy, a husband, a man of God, of course, uh, uh, grandpa now, uh, uh, someone who serves God and held in the church, who served my community. I founded the Learning Center. So I am the entirety of me. I know society, you know, they've kind of figured out how they want to figure it out, but I've always figured out that God created me put me here and put some things in my hand from that gave me that leave me with responsibility to to steward well and manage well including my life my day my wife my children my resources finances uh you know so i've just lived what you've seen is just a normal life <laughs> just living every day in the full context of the accountability and the responsibility of a human being oh and by the way uh, i actually play pro football mm. So I'm just really, I'm a normal human. Let me, let me. It goes back to what I was saying before. This is what I'm saying, man. If we can just, just come on, guys, get over yourself. Let's okay. just wake up and be human beings and be the best that you can be. Walk and chew gum at the same time. And it's, it's elementary. It's elementary. 
What would your um, advice be to other young athletes of color who are coming along today? Just take four or five things and give 100% and then go, go home and go to sleep and wake up the next morning and do it again. I'm grateful because I had the opportunity to do the commonplace things to try to honor God in those five areas, but people got to see it. So I got to present it more to share it because of the stage that I had. But at the end of the day, if I wasn't in football, this would be, this is the goal. Mm -hmm. Great. Follow God, follow, serve my wife, serve my children, uh, do great on my job and serve my community. That's basically, you know, you know, the youth life foundation, you know, I have a youth life foundation, yes. right? Yes. When I started the learning centers, you know, the revelation I had, <clears throat> driving down GW Parkway, having an epiphany. I was at a Christmas event. We had the kids. They didn't have the right clothes on. Diapers need changing. It was cold for Christmas. Mama, a little bit under influence. The, the scene was not super great. Driving down GW Parkway, heading back out to the suburbs, and I started crying. And I just heard God say, Daryl, you're a good man. You know, you've been out here, you know, just so, you know, so, you know, good, good, good. But there are those kids, you've been coming out here so many times, Christmas, summer, all the stuff you've been doing. That's nothing really changed for those kids. You're going on back home, but their life is not really. An autograph, a little toy, a piece of cookie, da 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 da, da for a moment. I called an attorney and said, man, how do you start a foundation? I don't have a clue. Mm -hmm. I know one thing, I'm going to impact, I'm going beyond this cookie and, a, and an autograph. And so <clears throat> eventually I got to, I heard Dexter Manley couldn't read. Oh, wow, he can't read. I remember being in the school. Kid can't read, start pulling uh, pull a girl's hair because we're going up to the blackboard. He don't want to go up there and see Mike run. He, he, hey, he's not going to get embarrassed. He starts throwing spitballs, pull a girl's hair. The teacher don't realize that she kicks him out. Lady, he does this every time you talk about going up to the board. And everybody, instead of saying, you so dumb, they say, man, he's so silly. That's sexy. The girls calling you silly, not you dumb. So I say, wow, these kids out here, academics is important. Okay, my parents got divorced. You got to have a loving mom, a loving dad, and they got to give you love and nurture. That might be from foster care. That might be from grandma or some, but somebody got to give love and nurture to you. Number three, we were on food stamps. So provision, light bill, water bill, house, roof over your head, food. Provision is an important factor. The government helped us. So school helped us. The fourth thing is church. We need to learn the golden rule, learn to treat people right, treat them like you want to be treated. So I said, okay, I want to get these, I want to get the, all these little kids that I see, I want to go and help those four factors, homeschool, church, and government. Sound, sounds not sexy, but those are the institutions that come into play. Home can eliminate you know, even homeschool. So you can eliminate school if the home does it. You can eliminate the government if the home does it. Uh, and you can almost eliminate the church if you're going to do it at home. But really, realistically, home, love and nurture, academics, uh, the church, and uh, uh, which one I'm missing? And, and the provision. The provision if you don't have the provision. So I started learning centers off the basis of that premise. It wasn't sexy. It was just saying, this is what the kids need. Now, I'm not going to become the parents. I'm not a school. I'm an after-school learning center. I'm not the first church of the Daryl Green Youth Life Foundation. I'm not the government. I am a support to the shortfall that is, that is lacking in the four 
homeschool church and government. Standing in the so, gap. Standing in the gap. Yeah. So I'm just telling you, man, I talk like this because I am like this. It's simple and basic to me. Mm-hmm. But I am big. I'm bigger than what people think because I ran down the football field. No, I'm not. I'm the same just down here on the ground with everybody saying, guys, let's just, I just want to be a good dad, bro. My dad and mom got divorced. When I was 10, I said, you know what? When they put this bat in my hand as a husband, I'm going to hit a home run. You Never did. cheated on my wife. You did. Good. 37 years. So raised my kids, same way. So, I mean, I'm not, I don't, I don't give all the right answers. I just tell you what I know and what I've done and what God has spoken to me. It's not sexy. Well, it ain't no, cool. no, wait, hold on a second. It, 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 it's all of those things. And uh, we'll be the judge of that. And that's the reason why you're here. That is the mark of a great, great individual. So whatever it is that fed into all of who you are and whatever it is that was a part of that process, we are grateful. The Colors podcast is grateful for you being here today. I, J.J. Green, am grateful for having gotten, gotten to know you and being able to sit here and talk to you today. So before let me, we go, let me say one last thing, JJ. Yeah, as you wrap I was, it up, I was just about to ask: Did you have anything you wanted to add? Yeah, to add to what you just said, I want to make this very, 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 very clear. My skin is not black, but I'm what we call a black man. I'm an African American. You know, we call white and black. Hey, I ain't black, but I'm black, <laughs> so we're black. I'm whatever you want to call me, African American, Negro, whatever. I see hurt and pain when it's caught toward our people. I see it toward other people. I'm not ignorant to that. And I'm, and it does, and it pains me every day. My people are me. So I don't, I want to make sure people understand. Oh, no, no. He, just, oh, no. You know, uh, what they say, uh, 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 black lives matter. All people lives matter. Yeah, they do. But black lives matter. And there's a very specific, historically specific, issue around African base, African, historically half African uh, descent people in this country. And if you don't know that, then you've been living under, I won't even say it. So, yeah. (laughs) So, so no, let's be very clear. But my position on it, if we're going to win, is it has to be the way I'm talking. But no, no, don't fool yourself. Yeah, I've been called every kind of name and seen and rather it was in athletics or in grocery stores when I first, particularly when I first moved here. <laughs> Growing up in Texas, we hate you, you hate us. We kind of shake on it. When I moved up here, they're, they're like that cat, that cat that you pull in your driveway and the cat's ducking down. They, I, I saw, I was calling out racism when I moved to Virginia every day because it's, they, they kind of fake up here. I hate to say it. I've been living up here a long time. Down there, it ain't fake. They tell you straight up, we hate you and we hate you. Up here, they want to fake it. That's what I saw 30-some years ago up here. So I know the game. I've mm-hmm. been there, seen it in, in all of my entire life. I just don't – that is not what I'm trying to highlight. I'm trying to highlight a bigger issue around humanity. Humanity. And without without belittling or uh, uh, subtracting that reality. So don't anybody get off of here thinking that, oh, Dale Green, he don't see nothing. Oh, no, no. You don't know. Oh, sorry about that. You don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. my parents, my dad became an alcoholic. And I'll tell you this last thing. My dad said, son, uh, he said, I didn't have a daddy. He said, my stepfather mistreated me. That was his words. He said, son, the white man mistreated me. 
<clears throat> and so he said, son, I just didn't feel like my mom could give me everything because she married my stepfather and they had 12 kids and it was just me and my other brother by two other guys. And so my dad, in my opinion, his alcoholism that cost him his life and my brother his life and our family's divorce, because my dad was a real intellectual brain, trying to what he called coping all. He called that drink coping all, trying to cope from the pain of both people, family members and white people that cost us our family. My brother died of drug overdose. They dropped out of school, two of them probably about the age of 13 or 14 years old. They wouldn't have done that had he been, had his game been tight because he was solid. He was a solid man. He just had to fight these things. And a lot of it was the white man, per his words. So I, I'm not, trust me, I'm from down, down the way. But, but so I just wanted to make that very clear that people don't get weirded off on that and miss the fact that we all need to respond to a holy God to get our act together. Because at the end of the day, we won't stand and be judged by what somebody did to us. We'll be judged by what we did to others and how yeah. we treated others, namely God. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for illuminating that. I got it. And some of the people that listen to this podcast, a good number of the people that listen to this podcast would get it anyway because they know who you are and have known for years who you are and how you are. But I thank you for illuminating that for those new people who, who, who are being introduced to you today. A lot of the younger people who are being introduced to you today. Thank you for saying that. Yeah. And the last that's thing. important. I think that's important. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the last thing, the last thing I'll do today is to just, uh, again, thank you for taking a few minutes to talk to us today. <clears throat> And ask maybe if in the future you'll come back at some point. And, uh, you you just took the words out of my brain. <laughs> we need we need to come back. We need to hear from your people and respond, and we can take this further down. I think it'd be good. I think it would be good. And listen, we're not going to do this because I'm an expert. I know everything. All I know is Daryl Green. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm pretty much an expert on me uh, and on what I believe. But but I, yeah, we need to come back. I just sensed that right before you said, I was like, man, you know what? We got to come back. See how they respond. See what they're thinking. And trust me, they don't need to applaud me. Or boo- I don't, that, I, I'm not worried about that. No. I'm worried about what you said. There are people that will, that, that maybe the Lord have us to speak to. Uh, and they, they can wear all kinds of different colors in their skin. Uh, and they can be all kinds of ages. And there'll be value there. Mm-hmm. And many times their foolishness and foolish people are out there anyway. You know, it's like people booing you. Mm-hmm. When I was in New York, when I was in the Raiders or when we were in Philadelphia, come on, what am I going to do? Try to appeal to this guy? Yeah. I'm in the red skin colors trying to beat you. <laughs> You're going to boo me. You're going to boo me anyway. I don't really, you know, sometimes, be, oh, man, I'm a, I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, but, man, I love you, Daryl Green. I, I appreciate that. But I'm not counting on it. <laughs> <laughs> One more thing. I don't want to leave before I get your thoughts on the change in the name of the Washington football team. Yeah. So <clears throat> you heard me probably some months ago. <clears throat> I was in full agreement with it. I gave Dan, Dan Snyder great, great props for it. <clears throat> um, while when I played, it wasn't as a consciousness issue to me. It was the, the bigger issue was uh, the fact that um, the historic racism from George Preston Marshall that I'd heard about throughout the old players, older play, players that I didn't play with that I'd met over the years. 
and people would always say, as I said earlier, that, man, you know, Daryl, I really love you, but man, I can't support the Redskins because, you know, they would go back and talk about history. <clears throat> but, uh, but in terms of changing the name, I, the reason why I agree with it is because, look, if you got people offended and this is not, uh, this is not, come on, man, this is an easy one. If you want to, if you want to do anything kind, you, this is your easiest bogey you ever have. You're going to make money off of this. So, so if you need to change the name, and as I said, you can take my jersey and take my helmet. Just send me, send me the new stuff. I don't care. Uh, I'm not, nostalgia is not that important to me uh, in terms of, uh, I already played, already scored the touchdown and intercepted the ball and got run over by the back and tackled the back. That's already done. So I'm not going to sit here and try to defend <laughs> defend some when a group of people are saying, man, that, that hurts me. It mm-hmm. hurts my family, mm-hmm. hurts my children. Man, change the name. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that in a bad or harsh way, but golly. What took and, so and long? I'll, I'll, end with this. I'll end with this. And this is what I said. I said, what if we can get to the place as I started this conversation off <clears throat> saying that, that we will allow human beings to be first again. Mm-hmm. It won't be whales. It won't be dolphins. It won't be trees. It won't be rats and and this and distinct lizards. But it'll be human beings. And when it comes down to human, we'll start there first. How is it? How are the humans doing? And then we'll make our judgment from there. So if we start to do that, I think we'll be a better society. And yeah, we have to change a few things. But man, if we're going to head toward humans first, humans love, humans respect. If we get to that kind of society. And it takes us a minute. I think we'll be happy when we get there. I think we'll be happy when we get there. So, yeah, we can go through this little pain and whatever. And people mad because they, oh, I love the Redskins. Oh, oh, I just, yeah, that's okay. You still got it. Whatever you did, you got your little video, your camera, your pictures. Now we moving on, baby girl. But, man, we're going to move on. So I, I'm like, move on, guys. Yeah. We did it. It hurt some people. We didn't know. We're conscious again. We're woke now. We wasn't woke yesterday. Like I told you, we're in a better place we've ever been in human history. The question is, what are we going to do now? Do you have anything that you want to add? Yeah, to add to what you just said, I want to make this very, 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 very clear. My skin is not black, but I'm what we call a black man. I'm an African-American. You know, we call white and black. Hey, I ain't black, but I'm black. So we're black. I'm whatever you want to call me, African-American, Negro, whatever. I see hurt and pain when it's caught toward our people. I see it toward other people. I'm not ignorant to that. And I'm and it does, and it pains me every day. My people are me. So I don't, I want to make sure people understand. Oh, no, no. He just, oh, no. You know, uh, what they say, uh, 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 black lives matter. All people lives matter. Yeah, they do. But black lives matter. And there's a very specific, historically specific issue around African base, African, historically half African uh, descent people in this country. And if you don't know that, then you've been living under. Right. I don't even say it. So, yeah. <laughs> so. So, no, let's be very clear. But my position on it, if we're going to win. Is it has to be the way I'm talking, but no, no, don't fool yourself. Yeah, I've been called every kind of name and seen, and rather it was in athletics or in grocery stores when I first, particularly when I first moved here. <laughs> Growing up in Texas, we hate you, you hate us. We kind of shake on it. 
when I moved up here, they're, they're like that cat, that cat that you pull in your driveway and the cat's ducking down. They, I, I saw, I was calling out racism when I moved to Virginia every day because it's, they, they kind of fake up here. I hate to say it. I've been living up here a long time. Down there, it ain't fake. They tell you straight up, we hate you and we hate you. Up here, they want to fake it. That's what I saw 30-some years ago up here. So I know the game. I've mm -hmm. been there, seen it in, in all of my entire life. I just don't. That is not what I'm trying to highlight. I'm trying to highlight a bigger issue around humanity. Humanity. And without without belittling or uh, subtracting that reality. So don't anybody get off of here thinking that, oh, Daryl Green, he don't see nothing. Oh, no, no. You don't know. Oh, sorry about that. You don't know. You don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. my parents, my dad became an alcoholic. And I'll tell you this last thing. My dad said, son, uh, he said, I didn't have a daddy. He said, my stepfather mistreated me. That was his words. He said, son, the white man mistreated me. <clears throat> and so he said, son, I just didn't feel like my mom could give me everything because she married my stepfather and they had 12 kids and it was just me and my other brother by two other guys. And so my dad, in my opinion, his alcoholism that cost him his life and my brother, his life and our family's divorce because my dad was a real intellectual brain trying to what he called coping all. He called that drink coping all trying to cope from the pain of both people, family members and white people that cost us our family. My brother died of drug overdose. They dropped out of school. Two of them probably about the age of 13 or 14 years old. They wouldn't have done that had he been, had his game been tight because he was solid. He was a solid man. He just had to fight these things. And a lot of it was the white man, per his words. So I, I'm not, trust me, I'm from down down the way. But, but so I just wanted to make that very clear that people don't get weirded off on that and miss the fact that we all need to respond to a holy God to get our act together. Because at the end of the day, we won't stand and be judged by what somebody did to us. We'll be judged by what we did to others and how yeah. we treated others, namely God. Yeah. Thank you for, thank you for illuminating that. I got it. And some of the people that listen to this podcast, a good number of the people that listen to this podcast would get it anyway, because they know who you are and have known for years who you are and how you are. But I thank you for illuminating that for those new people who, who, who are being introduced to you today. A lot of the younger people who are being introduced to you today. Thank you for saying that. Daryl Green. And that's all I'm going to say about him, because he's told you who he is. He's told you what he does. He's told you how he does it. And he told you where he's going. You know all the deal about him and his football career. And you know about his charity work. You know about uh, his religious uh, leaning. You know everything about him that he wanted you to know. So all I'm going to say to you is, you know, what, what can I say except thank you from the bottom of my heart for sitting here and letting it all hang out today with us on Colors. Well, mainly you're going to say, we'll be back again, and I'm going to be with you. Okay. He'll be back. <laughs> I'll be back. Del Green, ladies and gentlemen, a funny man, a great man, great conversation. In just about two minutes, we'll tell you about an amazing show we've got coming up on our next episode. You're listening to Colors. My name is Elena Fortney. I am Hispanic American, and I live in Ashburn, Virginia. 
My story takes place five years ago in 2016 at the height of the presidential election. At the time, I was worried about the phrase, build the wall, a slogan coined by the Trump campaign in reference to border security between the U.S. and Mexico. I thought about my mother, brother, and sister, who immigrated from Panama in the 80s and became naturalized citizens. I was hurt by the idea that my mother's citizenship could be questioned because of her accent or appearance, even after 30 years of being an American citizen. A friend of mine was confused about my concern and innocently asked why my mother would ever have to worry if she hadn't committed a crime. That day, we went to a grocery store in Arlington, Virginia, where something unexpected happened. A white man approached us, accompanied by a female. He made a hand gesture, mimicking the shape of a gun, pointing it at my face, and said, BAM. We stood there in shock as they walked away, the woman profusely apologetic for the man's behavior. My friend wanted to go after him, but I stopped her. If this man was comfortable enough to pretend to shoot me in the head, I did not want to find out what he would do when provoked. After we left the store, I turned to my friend and said what happened back there is exactly why I'm worried and why everyone should be worried. I am saddened to see the surge in racism that has taken place across America. What I find most heartbreaking is that the fear and discomfort I felt in that single moment is something that minorities struggle with every day. We have a responsibility to stand up for each other. We need to stand against hate. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America. If you have any questions or comments or show suggestions or just want to get in touch, you can do it at colors at thecolorspodcast.com. That's colors at thecolorspodcast.com. Coming up in our next episode of Colors... George Floyd's impact on the world. The United Nations, like the whole world, was uh, really moved and taken back by the killing the murder of George Floyd. And the UN's Office of Human Rights was moved to take some action. So the Human Rights Council decided at the time, this was about a year ago, June 2020, to look at this issue in a comprehensive way and present a comprehensive report That report is called The Agenda Towards Transformative Change for Racial Justice and Equality. And Mona Rishmwawi is the Chief of Rule of Law, Equality and Non-Discrimination in the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. She joins us to explain what that report is all about and what it really means. That's coming up in our next episode of Colors. As we leave this week, I want to take a moment to acknowledge the passing of Army Colonel and later Dr. Douthert R. Butler, who was a member of the 1st Cavalry and served with the legendary Colonel Hal Moore, whom the movie When We Were Soldiers was about. Colonel Butler went on to write a report for the Pentagon in 1971 called The Butler Report. That report changed an evaluation system that had systematically rated African-American officers lower than their white counterparts and made it very difficult for them to rise in rank. He passed away this week and we will miss him. 
That said, I want to say thank you to Hillary Howard, Zeke Hartner, Joel Oxley, Julia Ziegler, Mike Chikaitis, Marta Hurtado, Dan Shelley, Christopher Cruz, Sean Anderson, and for our music, Jesse Gallagher, Cosmic, Offshane, and most of all, a gigantic thank you to you for listening. And finally, just remember, keep talking to each other, and most importantly, keep listening. You can subscribe to Colors on Apple, Spotify, Podcast One, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Colors, a dialogue on race in America.